I want to tell you a story about Takiru Kobayashi. Who knows who that is? Anybody know who Takiru Kobayashi is? Nobody? Wow, you guys are lame. Takiru Kobayashi is a food-eating contest overcomer, man. This guy is unbelievable. You probably have seen this guy before. If we could check out that picture. There he is. There's Takiru. Now, Takiru Kobayashi has won all kinds of eating competitions. In fact, he is... He's won the six, uh, six years in a row, he's won the hot dog eating contest, and his best record is 69 hot dogs in 10 minutes. That's incredible, right? He also does pizza, 42 slices in 12 minutes. He does tacos, 106 tacos in 10 minutes. And he does wings, 337 wings in 30 minutes. And you felt bad about what you were planning on eating on Thursday, right? This guy's got it beat, right? But I just think this guy's pretty incredible because if we look at this next picture, you have Takiru next to Eric Booker, and Eric Booker there not only looks like he's about to throw up, but also looks like he's probably going to beat Takiru, right? Like it's going to be no contest, and yet Takiru over and over and over overcomes all these different huge contestants, and here we are in week two of our series, Overcomer, and we're talking about how sometimes it feels like little us is against huge sin, and we don't quite know how to handle it, right? And here's Takiru, and this guy knows how to overcome something way bigger than him. Actually, I think I have somebody that could beat Takiru, and it's, he lives in my house, and he's six years old. Uh, my son Landon has grown an unbelievable appetite of late, and basically, he wakes up every morning, he eats breakfast, and then he asks my wife for second breakfast. And I'm like, what's next? 11Z's luncheon, afternoon tea? We're, we're definitely training up a future eating overcomer slash some type of Lord of the Rings person. Um, but here in this series, we're not just talking about overcoming stuff or life or hardship or bad things. And those are all important things to talk about. But here in this series, we have a very specific focus. We're talking about overcoming sin. We're talking about overcoming those things in our, our lives that we tend to get pulled toward that are against God, that take us down roads that sometimes we do want to go down, but then we regret it, and sometimes we don't even want to end up down those roads, but we seem to find ourselves there, don't we? We feel like Eric in that video, right? We feel like little Eric against someone who's three times his size. We feel like sin is this entity that we just don't know how to overcome or get past. We feel like we're overcome rather than overcoming the sin, right? And so here we're going to take a few weeks and just continue to talk about what it looks like to overcome sin, what it looks like to overcome the struggles in our lives, the things that are between us and God, the things that sometimes we hate and we wish we could just get past. There's a really encouraging verse that we're kind of basing this series on. It's 1 John 5, 4. It says this, everyone born of God overcomes the world. Now this is part two of the series and we We started talking about this last week, but I just want to catch you up to speed if you missed this last week, because I want to make this verse really clear. We said last week that being born of God means that you're basically someone who's put your trust in Jesus, and then you're born spiritually, okay? So you and I were born physically once, but when you and I put your trust in Jesus, it's not like you're literally born again, but there's this spiritual awakening. There's a spiritual birth that God gives us. And so what John here, the disciple of Jesus, is saying is everyone who has a relationship with Jesus overcomes the world. What does that mean to overcome the world, right? What does that look like? What does this word world mean? Well, if you remember what we saw last week, this this word world here means the, the, the temptations the world throws, throws at us, the temptations our own flesh or our own nature or our own desires throw at us, and the temptations that Satan kind of whispers in our ears. And so John says, everyone who has a relationship with Jesus overcomes those temptations and struggles. Now, here's what I want to tell you. We laid this foundation last week. We're never going to get this perfect, right? 
you know, on this side of eternity, we are never going to get this right every time. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall sometimes. And Jesus' love is always there. His grace is always there. When we go back to that thing we promised him, we'd never go back to. His grace is still there, right? But more and more we should see growth in our lives. More and more we should see that there's amazing change happening. We should be able to look back at our lives five years ago, if you've been a follower of Jesus that long, and say, wow, I see some growth. All right, I stumbled here, I stumbled there, I don't have this down yet, but man, I see that I'm changing, that God's doing something real in my life. And so that's such an encouraging thing to see. Now last week, we talked about the link between what we set our mind on and how we live, right? We talked about how we set our mind on sinful things, we live in sinful ways. But when we set our mind on godly things, we live in godly ways. Now tonight, we're going to jump right out of that section of Scripture and we're going to continue on. Because Paul gives us another understanding of how to overcome in the verses that follow those few we looked at last week. And so tonight, I want to talk with you about your identity. I want you to talk with you about the link between you and your identity and knowing who you are and being an overcomer. Hollywood loves a great movie or a show about somebody who has identity issues, don't they? Right? I mean, we got the Bourne series. I mean, that's an epic series of this guy who just has no clue who he is, what his past is, where he came from. Uh, then, I don't know if any of you guys saw this, but a couple years ago, Liam Neeson made the senior citizen version of the Bourne movies. I don't know if any of you guys caught that. It was called Unknown. And he's like 600 years old, and he's out there kicking everybody's butt. And I kept re- waiting for him to reach for his life alert button and say, I've fallen and I can't get up, you know? You know, Liam, if I ever need to break somebody out of a nursing home, I'm calling you, bro. You're all, you're all over that, right? And so Liam Neeson's out there doing his thing, but he can't remember who he is, and he's trying to figure everything out. And then there's a show this past fall called Legends, and this guy, it's not that he didn't necessarily know anything about his past, it's just that everything he believed about himself was a lie, and he was trying to figure out what the truth was. So he had memories, but like, they weren't true. And then Total Recall, another movie that deals with that same kind of concept, and actually, I just found this recently. This kind of creeped me out. But there is a, what they call the real-life Jason Bourne. His name is Michael Boatwright, and he was a U.S. Navy veteran. He awoke in a motel unable to speak English. Um, he spoke Swedish and insisted his name is Johan Elk. When he looks in the mirror, he doesn't recognize his face, and he has absolutely no memory. I don't know about you. I'm creeped out by that, right? But here's a guy with an incredible identity issue. And here's what I think. I think that you and I struggle in some of the same ways. We have identity issues. We forget who we are. We believe things about ourselves that aren't true. And I'll tell you what, as long as you and I have identity issues, we're going to have sin issues. As long as we continue to believe things about ourselves and forget, wow, who God's made us to be here, we're going to struggle with sin. We're going to be overcome. I'll just give you some examples of some of the things that sometimes we believe about ourselves, right? Some of us believe this about ourselves. As followers of Jesus, we believe that we're pretty much a mess. We pretty much mess up most of the time, but once in a while we get it right. We're people who are are constantly getting it wrong, and once in a while we could do something that kind of sort of maybe pleases God. Right? Sometimes you hear somebody talk about what an amazing week they had with God and they felt so close to God and you just you want to punch them because you feel like you had six and a half bad days and like half a good day and you kind of sort of felt close to God for half a day. And it just kind of feels like that's you, you know? Like I, I'm always just messing up, but once in a while I kind of have a good moment there, but then I'm right back to messing up. 
Some of us look at the sin in our lives and we believe it's way bigger than us. We just forget who God's made us to be. Some of us look at our relationship with God and we really question it. We go, man, I don't even know if I'm really his because I struggle. And I do things I don't want to do. And I disappoint myself and I disappoint others and I disappoint God. So what is the truth about us? What is our identity? What can help us grow? Because as long as we stay stuck in our wrong beliefs and our, our wrong understanding of who we are, and we're going to continue to be overcome by sin. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you really came on the perfect night because you're going to hear all about what Jesus has done for you and what he wants to do in your life. And so we're going to look at some verses here that come right out, like I said, what we talked about last week. And I really want to encourage you to just stick with me. We have a few verses that are a little bit confusing and seem a little strange. I'm going to kind of unstrange them for you if I can. And you're going to walk out of here tonight with a very clear thought about what all this has to do with living a life that's different, where you can overcome some of the struggles that are going on in your life. So I'm going to kind of be talking to Christians. I'm going to be talking to you if you're not a Christian and back and forth. And and we're going to kind of have fun just going through this here in Romans 8. But Paul's going to remind us really who we are, and what it has to do with overcoming our sin. So Romans 8, verse 7 says this. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Now what does that mean, okay? We talked last week about the idea that our flesh is this part of us that's always drawn to that wrong thing, right? And so he says, all right, the mind governed by the flesh or controlled by that flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. God. Now, first thing I got to say to you about your identity, if you're a follower of Jesus, and this is big, that verse does not describe you. You see, this is like a revelation for some of us because that's exactly how we would describe ourselves. I feel like I can't please God. I feel like I'm governed by my flesh. I feel like I'm always just kind of stuck and I don't know how to do what God wants me to do. And I just want you to just straight up look at that and see it for what it is and realize that verse is not about you. It was us. It's not you anymore. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to try and help you navigate this because maybe you're looking at the screen going, wait a second, you're saying that verse is about me? You're putting me down? Are you saying that you Christians are something special and I'm just me and I'm nothing and I can't do what you can do? And well, here, here, here's what I want to say. You see, every single one of us is a complete mess without Jesus. Every last one of us. Myself, right at the top of the list. Complete mess without the grace of God. We're all in the same exact place. The difference between you and me may be that I've just looked to Jesus and asked him to help me. God, rescue me. I can't please you, God. I can't submit to your law. I don't know how to get rid of this this flesh and this mess that I am apart from you. So God, help me. I don't know if any of you guys were, or girls were that kid when you were little and you were playing wiffle ball or baseball or softball and you'd be out there with all your buddies and when you got up, like they knew it was going to take you about an hour and a half to actually make contact with the ball. Were any of you guys that kid, right? And so you're up there and you're swinging away and you're missing and you're missing and you're missing, right? And then someone, after like an hour and a half, finally had mercy on you. It was your dad or a friend or a coach, and they came over, and what they do? They grabbed the bat. Your hands are still on the bat, but they grabbed the bat. And that next pitch came in, and you crushed that thing, right? And you ran around the bases. You hit a grand slam, home run, whatever it was, and you felt great. But the truth is, you didn't hit that home run. Your coach or your dad or your friend 
hit that home run. And you know what? The same is true for me. I'm not here trying to say, hey, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're just, you're just you know, b- below par. You're not. No, I'm just simply saying, I asked the Holy Spirit to grab my bat. I asked God to grab my bat because I knew I couldn't do what I was supposed to do. I needed somebody who could do what I was unable to do. And here's what I want to tell you. If you're not a follower of Jesus here tonight, that offer of, hey, God, would you come into my life? Would you make a difference in my life? That's there for you today. And so as we continue to walk through these these verses, you're going to see what God's done for you if you're not a follower of Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus, I hope you're going to just be reminded tonight what God has done and who he has made you and what your identity is. So verse 9 says this. Now we're talking to Christians. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Now look at that. It doesn't say the spirit of man. It doesn't say the force. It says the spirit of God. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit here. And he says, you are not in the realm of the flesh, but you're in the realm of the spirit, okay? Now, I know that sounds a little Star Trek-y with all the realms and stuff, and so I'm gonna de-Star Trek it for you in just a minute. But before I do that, I need you to hear something really loud and clear. And this is kind of what I really want you to get out of the message. And then everything after it is just going to kind of point back to it and support it, okay? What I really want you to get out of this message is this thought that these verses are telling us something. They're telling us that if we're followers of Jesus, we are not people who most of the time screw up and once in a while get it right. No, see, our identity, our spiritual DNA is that we are people who, by God's grace, can get it right a lot, but yet we sometimes choose to do it the way we used to, don't we? Sometimes we go back to how we used to do things before we had a relationship with Jesus. That we're of this different realm. Let me just give you an example here. Um, Let's say this half of the stage represents the realm of the spirit, and this half of the stage represents the realm of the flesh. It has nothing to do with the fact that Joe Patty stood here and Andrew stood here, by the way. But let's just say we'll do it that way. Um, realm of the spirit. Here we are. God, God comes into my life, right? And all the things I used to try to do before, he now is enabling me to do. All the things I fell short trying to do, he's now enabling me to do. And I'm, I'm living in this realm of the spirit. He's opened up a new way for me to do things. I can please him now. I can follow through. And it's not because of works. It's because God changed my life. Jesus died for me and rose again. And now the Holy Spirit in my life enables me to do things I could never do before. He's swinging the bat now. There's power that there didn't used to be, right? So I'm able to live in the realm of the Spirit. But, but here's what I want you to catch, guys. Every single time you and I decide to sin, we basically say, all right, Holy Spirit, I'm leaving this little realm you've opened up for me right now. And I'm going to walk over to the realm of the flesh. I'm going to choose to do things the way I used to. I'm going to choose to do things this way now. What I want you to know tonight is it's always a choice. As a follower of Jesus, it's always a choice. Every single time you and I decide to leave what God has for us, we're willfully deciding, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it the fleshly way. I'm going to do it the old way. Because what these verses are telling us that, man, we're of the realm of the Spirit now. Our identity, our DNA is found here, not here. Some of you guys might say, Doug, I gotta be honest. It doesn't feel like I'm willfully choosing sin. It feels so often like I just wake up and I'm back in the old realm. I'm doing things the old way. Well, let me try 
and explain this a little bit. Um, back in January, my family moved, right? We used to live at 43 Milford Lane. And that, say that's represented over here. And every time I leave my house, I have a choice to go back to the old one, don't I? Right? If I'm at my house, I'm in the new realm. I'm enjoying the new residence, right? This is where I live now. This is where my address is. This is, you know, this is my, my place. This is where I reside. For me to go back to 43 Milford Lane, I literally have to decide to get in my car and drive back to the old realm. But I'll tell you this is true too. Once in a while, especially toward the beginning, there were times I started to head back to 43 Milford Lane. Just kind of on autopilot. Just kind of, you know, I, I leave here the church. Actually, one time I picked up my kids at school and I started driving right back out to Center Reach. You're like, Dad, where are you going? And I was like, ah, oh, it's a nice little scenic route drive thing here. You know, I, I realized I was headed to the wrong realm. I was headed to the wrong place. And so sometimes we head to the wrong place just because we're kind of on autopilot. It's just the way that we're so used to doing it. Now, there's another reason, too. Some of us have never moved. It's just that as you're driving, you just forget where you're going. That's actually called aging, okay? When you age, uh, you, you know, sometimes you got to call somebody. Uh, I'm on Route 97. Do you have any idea where I'm supposed to be right now, right? Um, but, but most of us, right, if you've ever moved, there's that little bit, there's that little time, there's that space where you keep on heading back to that place you used to live. It takes time. But you begin to catch yourself. You begin to catch yourself, oh, wait, wait, I don't, no, 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 wait, wait, I had my, I had my turn signal on here. No, I got to go this way. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit in your life has given you this new identity of, no, you can do things God's way. You can honor God with your life. And every single time you and I do it the old way, we're either drifting back and we got to wake ourselves up and say, wait, I don't live here anymore. Or we just have to recognize I'm willfully deciding to leave what the Holy Spirit has for me and come and do what the flesh has me to do. And so I just want you to know tonight, you're not somebody who largely messes up that once in a while gets it right. The the spiritual DNA that God has given you as a follower of Jesus is that now you are somebody who can do the right thing by God's grace. Can give you what you need to overcome those sin struggles. It's going to be a process. Like I said, there's times we fall short and God gives us grace and picks us back up and hugs us and says, I love you. Keep going, keep going, keep going. My spirit's in you. Keep holding the bat. Let me swing it. Keep cooperating with me. But ultimately, he's for us. Always, always, always. And it goes on. It says, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want you to know what you're missing out on. You're missing out on a Savior who died for you and rose back from the dead. And you're missing out on the Holy Spirit that wants to come into your life and do what you just can't without him. He wants you today. Then it says this, verse 10, But if Christ is in you, so Christians, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. That word righteousness means that God made us right. Jesus made us right with God. And even though every single one of us deserves death, the Holy Spirit brings this life that we don't deserve. Christ is in us. The Holy Spirit is in you. That's your identity. That's who you are. And I love this. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. What a powerful verse. That's who you are. You're the guy. You're the girl. 
It's got the Holy Spirit in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus back from the dead. And on the day you and I physically die, the Holy Spirit will raise us to be with him. But we get life here and now too, don't we? We get strength here and now. I'm just going to throw this out there. I think that if the Holy Spirit can raise Jesus back from the dead in a tomb, that he can handle your porn addiction. can handle your anger. He can handle your gossip. He can handle your fear. I'd say that in comparison to raising a man back from the dead, that's a little thing for God to do. And so that spirit's in you. That's who you are. That's your identity. And he goes on. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. See, that's what so many of us walked in here believing. I'm obligated. I'm stuck. I can't do anything but live in the flesh. These corrupt feelings I have, these desires I'm always pulled toward, they own me and there's nothing I could do about it. And here, John, uh, yeah, uh, Paul, wow, Paul, John was earlier. Paul is trying to tell us that it's not to the flesh. Our obligation is to the spirit, the one who now is in us that is stronger than anything you and I could ever face. And then it says this, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Now, we talked about this last week a little bit, right? There's an eternal death. Sometimes there's physical death because of sin. But we, we just be reminded of what we said last week, that every single time you and I choose sin here and now, there's death involved. When I choose sin because of the way I treat my wife, if I lash out at her in anger, there's some death in that marriage, right? If I scream and freak out on my kids, there's some death in my relationship with them. If I gossip about a friend, there's some death in that relationship. So, man, yeah, there's ultimate death, there's physical death, there's eternal death, but there's death here and now. But then look what it says, but... If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So God's always wanting to bring you to life. That's what we've been driving home in this series. Every time God says, hey, don't do things this way, do it this way, it's because God is trying to bring life to you and I. He's always trying to bring life. He's not trying to ruin our fun. It might seem constricting for a season, but then you look back and you go, had I walked down this road, I would be miserable right now. And we know that's true because we've all done it, haven't we? We've all walked down that road and ended up in misery and said, why did I do this again? Why didn't I do things God's way? Because that leads to life. My son, Cade, is in fifth grade, and he goes to a Christian school in Smithtown, called Smithtown Christian School. And uh, he had to memorize all of Romans 8, all of Romans 8. And, like, that's legit. I mean, Romans 8 is crazy. It's an amazing, amazing chapter. And I remember last year he, he was trying to uh, recite it to me, and he was doing his best to get it back out to me. And, and so he got all the way up to this verse, and he was doing awesome. But he said this. If you just look at the screen, he said, but if you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I said, buddy, you did so great. I just want to tell you something now. I was doing a little dad thing, a little life moment here, okay? I said, you left out the three most important verse, uh, words in that verse. See, if you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you're going to be frustrated every time because you can't. But if you, by the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit's got his hands on the bat, if you invite him into the equation, then watch him put to death. That's kind of like strange phraseology there, but the the misdeeds or the sins or the struggles of our body. When we invite the Holy Spirit, God, do it, I can't, do it, I can't, do it, I can't. 
we see him work in such power. And then we get amazing identity confirmation and affirmation here. Verse 14, for those who are led by the spirit of God are who? The children of God. The children of God. Now I realize this is a hard illustration because um, not all children are loved well. I'm guessing in a room this size, some of you were loved really well by parents. Some of you were not. But I want you to think about maybe how you'll love your kids if you grew up in a home where you weren't loved. Maybe you learned what not to do. Maybe you think to yourself, man, if I'm ever a parent, I'm going to love my kids so well. I'm going to bless them so much. I'm going to honor them so much. I'm going to make them feel secure and loved. Nobody can talk to me about anything. And that I, no matter what they do, my love for them is unconditional. And, and you're just, you want to be this amazing parent. And what would happen if you lived as that kind of parent? Your kids would have this amazing security in their identity and who they are and who God made them to be and who you inside your relationship have cultivated to be. And here's God, the perfect father, saying, hey, you're, you're my child. You're my child. You're not just owned by sin anymore. You're not just struggling to do the right thing. No, no, see, your identity is that you belong to me. You are loved. You can be secure. You can know that I'm yours and you are mine. And in that place, I think we find a freedom to be real with God, to be genuine with God, to say, God, I really messed up today. I really dropped the ball today. God, draw me back. We got a loving God who wants us back and then a God who's saying, now let's overcome this. Now let's walk forward. Now let's not head back down that road again. And so I don't know about you, but man, we've looked at some pretty powerful stuff here. You and I aren't owned by the realm of the flesh, but of the realm of the spirit. That the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. That our obligation is not to the flesh, but it's to the Holy Spirit. That we can please God. That we can honor God. That we're his children because he died for us and his Holy Spirit is now in us. And so I just want to take all that talk and all that stuff we just worked through and just bring it home real simple for you. Because here's what I need you to walk out of here with. It's this thought, that God has given you the identity of an overcomer. That's what you need to know about you. And this isn't just some psychobabble. This isn't just some big pep speech at halftime. This isn't let's look in the mirror and tell ourselves we're great people and go live better. No, this is us realizing that, wow, we are people whose lives have been changed by God. Purchased back from God our sin, made right with God. And his desire is for us to live as overcomers. And the reason I can say this with confidence is because my life's been changed. I'm not perfect. I still stumble. I still need his grace daily. But more and more and more, I see growth in my life. And I see it in so many of you as well. And so no, this isn't just some pep speech and hope we get better and hope we do the right thing and finally honor God. No, we've seen so many lives just simply changed and turned around when they invite the Holy Spirit in. doesn't make Christians better than anybody else. We're all a mess apart from the amazing love and grace of Jesus. And so let me just encourage you with a few things here. Now that you know, now that you've been reminded that you have the identity of an overcomer, here are some things I encourage you to do. This week, when you're feeling drawn back in, when you're feeling like you just, I can't believe I'm heading down this road again, just remember the fact that God has made you an overcomer, that that's literally your DNA now, that's who God has made you to be. 
Would you catch yourself doing those drive-bys of the old house, so to speak, of as you start to head back to that old realm, as you start to head back to that old way of life, would you just catch yourself, just like I would have to if I left here tonight and I started heading out to 43 Milford Lane? I was like, wait, 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 that's not where I live anymore. Not that you, as you start to head back down the road toward freaking out and anger or temper or, or pornography or that addiction or that lie or that gossip, wait, wait, that's not me. That's not, that's not who I am now. God's made me to live a different way as an overcomer. And so I hope you guys walk out of here encouraged. I hope you walk out of here challenged to live a different way. There's a guy named Richard Walters, and he was a homeless man. He lived on the grounds of a senior center. He ate all of his meals at the local hospital for free. And every once in a while, the nurses at the senior center would see him going through the pay phones and making phone calls. And one of the nurses finally got up the guts to ask him, who are you, who are you calling? Is it family? Like, like, what's going on? And Richard Walter said, um, actually, I'm making stock trades. And the nurse said, what are you talking about? And she, come, she came to find out that Richard Walters, this homeless man, was actually a millionaire, that he had a, an estate that was worth $4 million. And he'd be on the phone making all these trades and all this stuff. And yet until his death in 2007, He lived as a homeless man, didn't touch his money, lived out without a place to call his own. And you know what? If I had a few moments with with this guy, I would look him in the eyes and say, don't you know who you are? Don't you know what you have? Why are you living like this? And maybe what you need tonight was for somebody to look you in the eyes and say, don't you know who you are? That spiritually you're a millionaire that you belong to God, that God has transformed your life, that his love for you is huge, that you're his child and the same spirit that rose Jesus back from the dead is alive in you. So you and I have this tremendous potential to do things God's way. And when we do, when we understand who we are and we believe the right things about who we are now and we stop playing this game where we think we're just somebody who's always gonna be a mess and always gonna be a mess and never overcome, then we're going to continue to be overcome. But when we recognize the amazing lengths to which Jesus went through to purchase us as his own and make us overcomers, more and more we will see that the things that own us, the things that we struggle with, can indeed be overcome. And so this week, will you think about those areas of your life that you do those drive-bys of the old realm with? Will you catch yourself there? Will you remind yourself of who you are, that God's given you the identity of an overcomer. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray three prayers again, real quick. The first one is if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm going to pray for you, that you'd be able to live this out and be encouraged. Secondly, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you want Jesus' gift of salvation, it is a 100% gift to you, then I want to just give you an opportunity to pray and it's all about you talking to God. I'm not going to ask you to like come up here and tell everybody your story or fill out a card or sing a song or raise your hand. or It's just you and God. I would love to give you that opportunity to do that. And then lastly, I'm going to pray for you just like we did last week. If you are so stuck in your sin that you're like, Doug, I wish I could overcome, but I just need God to lift me out of this mess I'm in. There's nothing I can do in and of myself. Even nice little pep talk, Doug, but I need more. I need God to do a miracle in my heart. Then I want to pray for you. But this week, don't do those drive-bys of the old realm. Remember your identity. God has given you the identity of an overcomer. Let's pray. God, I lift uh, all of us before you, God.
we all need you. We all struggle. There are hard things in all our lives. There's difficulties. We continue to tend to run back to you, and we just need your help. And so, God, I just pray for the Christians in the room, that you'd help us, God. That you'd help us to know today that we have this identity that you purchased for us, to be an overcomer. That that's a part of the package here. Yes, eternal life, salvation, freedom from sin, forgiveness, but also the Holy Spirit in us to help us overcome our sin. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, would you pray about those things you tend to visit? What things do you tend to do those drive-bys of? What, what tends do you think to tend to go back to that old realm? Is it the way you use your eyes? Is it how you talk? Is it your unforgiveness in your heart? What, what would it be for you? Just bring that to God. God, help me to stop doing these drive-bys of the old way. And help me to live in this new realm, the way the Spirit enables me. You guys pray about that. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to know Jesus and you want in on salvation and freedom and the Holy Spirit at work in your life, holding the bat, hitting the ball way further than you ever could yourself, then I encourage you to pray something like this, just quietly between you and God. Jesus, I'm asking you to be my Savior tonight. Would you forgive me for my sin? I thank you for this amazing gift of forgiveness that you have given me. Help me now, God, to see how real you are. And Holy Spirit, would you come into my life and would you do things in me I could never do myself? Thank you for this gift of salvation, God. Lastly, I just want to pray for anybody in the room that's just super stuck right now. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will do miracles, God, to rescue people. There are people that are so stuck. They just need you. God, I've been there. You freed me from depression. You freed me from tremendous pride. And God, I pray for the people in the room now, be it porn, be it some kind of a drug or alcohol addiction, be it just simply gossip. They just, every time they open their mouth, they're they're speaking words that are breaking people's lives apart. God, whatever it might be, we just pray, God, that you would do the impossible thing of rescuing them, God, of breaking chains that hold them captive tonight. Thank you so much for your amazing love. In your name we pray, amen.